Good evening and welcome to the Hourglass with Isabella. I am here today with some very special guests. Would you like to introduce yourselves? I am Ojit. And I am Chris. Ojit and Chris, special guests of the night. <laughs> so, tonight's episode is actually going to be about hookah or hookah lounges specifically. And the reason why I have them, these are two of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, the reason I have them here is that they actually operate a hookah lounge, is that correct? Yes, it is. Absalom's Hookah Bazaar. Absalom's Hookah Bazaar. So as we delve into the exciting world of hookah, tell us first, why did you pick the name Absalom? Absalom is the uh, caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland that is constantly smoking a hookah. The caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland, which I'm sure a lot of you listening will have read or seen the Disney version of the cartoon, and he always has his little hookah pipe and he's smoking it blowing the little the amazing o-rings can you guys do the o-rings it's a question i definitely can i can't i have tried over and over again and i i i'm just inept <laughs> it's really beautiful it's like this whole art form and i see actually our friend hikari she's also a shadow kitten she can do the o-rings but she can also do this tornado thing or you can put the hookah oh. into the champagne glass and it kind of spirals in this beautiful visual gorgeousness. So let me ask you now as, as we get into this, what inspired you to get into the world of hookah and to open and have your own hookah lounge? Chris, you'll go first. <laughs> as far as uh, getting into hookah, originally the first time I ever experienced hookah was back when I first moved to Colorado. Um, I was working at Spirit Halloween and some of my friends said, that they wanted to go to a hookah lounge. I'd never even heard of a hookah. And cool. so I decided to go online and look it up. And I looked up, it's like supposed to be something that you smoke in your living room and you always pass to the left and there's all these rules and I was all nervous. Rule? There are rules? Yeah, there's there's, there's yeah. supposed to be rules, yes. So we, we go to this hookah lounge and uh, I had never smoked anything really in my life because I've never been a smoker and I wasn't sure what to expect and I tried it and it was amazing and nobody paid attention to any of these rules I looked up or anything of the sort. And this is America. Yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun. I, I really had a good time and a lot of my friends were underage. I was technically 21 at the time, but all the rest of my friends were 18 that worked at the, uh, the Spirit with me. And so I actually... Uh, was able to go out and experience a nighttime event with them that I couldn't otherwise because they weren't allowed to go to the bars. See, this is great. This leads me into a great topic here, but it's exactly what you were saying. It's like you read my mind because when I moved from England to America, I actually knew nothing about the hookah culture or the lounges here, specifically in the Western America, and it's a very popular industry. And so I was invited to a couple early on. I didn't know what it was or have any idea about it or the culture or the learning behind it. But I went to these and what I noticed was in England, obviously we have a different drinking age. In England, you can drink at 18, which I think is amazing. In America, you have to be 21. And, I've always, and this is a bit controversial, but I've always found it very strange that you can join the army 
own a gun and shoot someone at 18, but you can't have a beer. It's a very strange contrast to me. Yeah. Where, whereas, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like in England, you can you can do this, but then in America, on on the tip side of that, you guys can drive at like 16, 15, isn't it? 16. 16's yeah. very alone. You can't drive in England until you're 18, so it's like very different rules for different times. So anyway, here or there, in in America though, with the hookah lounges, I found that all of my friends, and at the time I was under 21, so I couldn't do anything here or drink or anything, but all of my friends who are under 21, they'd go to the hookah lounges, and they would gather there, and they'd do their homework, and it was like a safe space with no alcohol that they could still while they were underage, be social in and, and indulge in that friendly environment, which I think is really important to give people an outlet. But it still it still has a cool nightclub vibe, I think, you know, in some respects. Some of them do, at least anyway. And we'll talk about yours and your Dagle, which is, I think, fascinating because it is it is very different, you know. It, it, no, it is. I think it's beautiful in its own way. So... How how long ago did you get into the hoop industry and when you actually... What made you actually make that finance decision? Like, I'm going to buy this bar and do this. Honestly, like, the, the whole concept of actually buying it and getting into it just sort of fell into my lap. I, I wasn't actually sure. I thought about it for years, but I So it was a new idea? It wasn't exactly new, but I it was something I never thought I would actually have the opportunity to do. Awesome. So, yeah, it, it was something, it was like, oh, you know, I'd love to do this, but I'm never going to get the opportunity to do it. But, um, so I, I first got into it back in 2006, 2007, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't until recently that I actually had the opportunity yeah, to so, open my own lab. So, OJ, I understand you used to actually, you, before even this, you used to work in a hookah lounge, is that correct? Yeah, so what I did was one of my friends from high school was going to open up a hookah bar. And so what I did was I kind of went around to different hookah bars because I had no idea what it was. Um, I didn't do any research necessarily. I just sort of... You wanted to test it out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went to a bunch of different hookah bars and uh, just to kind of get my feel for it, like, what is this? What is this about? Like, what is the atmosphere that uh-huh. we're going for, essentially? And when I started working there, I learned how to actually make bowls cool. and um, do the do the right water level. So, what is, I guess a lot of people listening to this, they may not know actually what it takes to make the hookah. So, what's the important thing? So, when you say make the bowl, what what do you have to do to do that? Um, it kind of depends on people's fre- preferences, actually, because some people like it packed lightly, so um, where it's, it's kind sh- of fluffy. So you put shisha in it. Yeah. So you put the shisha in um, Which is like ceramic flavored tobacco. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, it's molasses and flavoring, I believe. Yeah, and glycerin. And glycerin. And glycerin, yeah. Which is the majority of the smoke. And you basically put that mixture that you can buy pretty much whatever flavor you want from several different brands. And some people, again, like it light mm-hmm. pack where right. it's kind of fluffy. But still and flavorful. Yeah. Yeah. And then other people like it kind of packed down a little bit. And it also depends on the bowl itself. Okay. Like if you have a 
uh, what is it called? Egyptian clay. Egyptian yeah. clay. There's, okay. There's so many different it, bowls. Yeah, Egyptian clay, alpaca, like alpaca. bowl, uh, 80 feet bowl. I, there's... Yeah, there's so many. I'm still kind of getting used to all of the hookah things. So. And everyone has a different pack. Yeah. That's everyone. interesting. Everyone has a different tolerance and desire. So I did a bit of research, um, actually, earlier down the origins of hookah, because I was super curious and I found out there are actually two different theories relating to it and I have a Wikipedia up here so I will briefly read it to you guys so that you can uh, you can enjoy this because I did think it was quite interesting so the first is that following the introduction of tobacco in medieval India by the Jesuits the water pipe was invented by this chap called Abul Afaf Gyali he was a Persian physician of Akbar the Indian city of Fatpur Sikuri but this was during Mughal India so the hookah spread from the Indian subcontinent to Persia first, where the mechanism was then modified to the current shape and form we see it as today, and then to the Near East. Alternatively, the other, because there's two different options here, so it could originate in the Safavid dynasty of Persia, where it actually spread to the East in the Indian subcontinent during that time. And the word hookah is actually a derivative of Hukqa, which is H-U-Q-Q-A, and that's a Hindustani word. Uh, of actually, it's of Arabic origin, and that derives from hookah, which is casket or bottle water pipe, is the rough translation of it. Outside of its native region, hookah smoking has gained popularity now throughout the world, which is what we're seeing in America here, is that it's become its own kind of industry and its own flourishing thing, especially among younger people, youth, so teenagers, right, as an outlet. So, when this all went through, this, and I'm, I read this to you guys earlier, actually, before I started this, and I thought it was brilliant, because obviously, you know, I'm British, and we talk about there was this whole, which was at the time, this terrible British colonization of India. We took it over, we didn't really give the people an option in this, and the empire was very much born, and we owned all these different areas. But, kind of like 1858 to 1947, uh, they, there was a large number of these expatriotic Britons who were sampling this water pipe, right? And so there's this chap called William Hickey, and he arrived in Calcutta, India in 1775, and he wrote in his memoirs about the hookah. And it's funny because it's actually a very negative kind of thing, and I shall read it for you in my most um, upstartish British accent here. <laughs> The most highly dressed and splendid hookah was prepared for me. I tried it, but I did not like it, as after several trials I found it quite disagreeable. With much gravity I requested to know whether it was indispensably necessary that I should become a smoker, which was answered with equal gravity. Undoubtedly it is, for you might as well be out of the world as fashion here as everyone uses hookah, and it is impossible to get on without it. I've frequently heard men declare they would much rather be deprived of their own dinner than their hookah. Which means it was culturally a very important thing to the people. So I think it's interesting that, you know, we had this British colonization and we took this idea and it became popular and it is spread throughout the world. And yes, even Egypt has its own beautiful variation. And you see these hookah pipes and they are so delicately built in the glass and, and sometimes filigree ornate things and recently I got a gift from a chap William if you're listening and it was this 
Was it Maya, Maya hooker? It's a Maya, yes. Maya hooker, and it was like this blue, it's called the Jafar, so it's loosely based on like the old Disney thing, but it was like this beautiful blue glass hooker, which is asking, tell me about the variations, because what do you use in your lounge? Uh, we use, uh, it's a Khalil Mamoun Kamanjas. Kamanja? Um, yes. And uh, Khalil Mamoun is one of the better workhorse hookahs. They're very popular. They've been around for quite a long time. Very good quality overall. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, what's your favorite hookah you've ever seen? What did it look like? The most beautiful one. And those people listening, those are the hummingbirds in the background of the chateau. They're just dancing around. They're part of the part of the thing. But again, I don't really know much about hookah, so I honestly can't give much feedback. As I mean, what's, to... what's the most pretty one you've seen? You've seen one you thought that was beautiful. Oh man, I know I it's don't a lot. No, there, there's hard. so many. I feel like there's. Just keep the hang a secret conversation you're about to shoot. So, which one was it? Tell us. I was just yeah, saying, just like, like the glass ones are the Lavoos, and oh, those Lavoo. are very gorgeous looking. I mean, they the are. Regals are the wood ones, Regal. and they look absolutely amazing. The Regal is the one that I always have for you to smoke at the lounge when you come okay. in. The big wooden ones. Yes. And, uh, the yes. Ones that are big fancy. They're, pr- they're the pretty ones, right? Golden Deserts even come out with some really nice ones recently. Golden Desert. There's, so there's different there's a companies lot, maybe. Yes, is it competitive in the market? It, it it is pretty competitive, but to be perfectly honest, once you once you get your niche, like it literally jumps from the best innovation to the best innovation. So it's it's whoever comes out with the newest and best innovation that essentially jumps ahead of everyone else. Right. And I will say and I will say something, we're going back we're now going to the decor theme of things and we'll briefly touch on cultural appropriation here which I think is a good thing to always cover with these topics but I think it's nice because you know we were earlier talking about I was talking about one that's by Blue Eyes and it's very very oriental and actually people own it are actually Arabic so it's very the, the oriental rugs and the Moroccan lanterns which are gorgeous so, which to be honest I, I absolutely appreciate the aesthetic and the decor but I will say what I like about you guys is that you have a very modern twist on it so the lounge is actually uh, very clean it has black leather couches and in fact the area in this crazy bit she created this beautiful area in the corner uh, for me and my friends to go to and it has this pink chandelier you know so it's actually a very western take on it which I think is a, a really cool twist on the whole thing when you're bringing it into this western thing without actually culturally appropriating which I think is an amazing thing while still respecting the culture and honoring the tradition of the which obviously has this long rich history to it and so now I'm gonna ask you obviously I like that you went with the whole Absalom Alice in Wonderland thing which again very western with Lewis Carroll yes, but very Britain there taking on that and they have these murals and paintings of like the whole Alice in Wonderland throughout the building which is really cool and actually I offered to help them I'm gonna repaint their caterpillar one <laughs> definitely taking up on that offer it'll be it's I was we're talking about you like the uh, the Alice McGee's was that uh, American McGee's American Alice, yes. McGee's yeah. Alice one of the darker where Alice has the black hair and it's a video game that's actually quite dark and nice to wear. I also like the Tim Burton variation oh, yes. also very dark and I do think that it's it's wonderful that you can include 
that kind of mythology, at this point Alice in Wonderland is mythology in some respects, <laughs> into that. So I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions, we'll take turns here. I'll start with you, Chris. Um, when Throughout owning this hookah lounge, I'll ask you two of these. One, <laughs> what is the the craziest memory you've ever had at the hookah lounge? And then the second question I'll ask you, what's the best, most warm memory, the, the, the most exciting memory you've had at the hookah lounge? And take your time, the craziest one, followed by the nicest, exciting, or exciting one. I mean, we have two different sections a little bit, so... You do? One part of the lounge is the lounge, and then the other... Once we can kind of do... Yeah, we can kind of do parties, we've hosted several of your events. Yep, I have actually rented out the location for events in the past, that's true. And it's been, every time it's been wonderful. So, I mean... Can it include yeah, the backside? Yeah, I was going to no, say the backside got definitely yeah. the craziest Yeah, the craziest ones. Like that time I put, you know, stripper pole in the back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's happened. not the craziest that we've had. Yeah. And I'm sure that our craziest story will probably be the same one. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? You get to go first, that way we'll know. She wasn't there for the craziest one. I was oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, so. oh. Okay, well, then you've got to tell us. Now we've got to hear. Uh, we just had a we had a party in the back with a bunch of people that were coming by, and they uh, had some hookahs and other stuff, and they were just going nuts. And was this a pagan themed one? No, no, no. no. Okay, that, that was that was really nice actually. Okay, but no, I like the pagan. Theme. No, this <laughs> yeah, no, this was this was a different one, and uh, it was for someone's twenty first birthday actually uh, then you that know someone rented it out. Yeah, That's so eventually they just started throwing their bottles down and all this other stuff and uh like the the whole back was just covered with glass and so oh, after no, we ran no. everyone out it was shiny like like oh. snow all over the back and well, i'm was, thinking of water shiny yeah it, it was amazing yes <laughs> but uh it, it was really amazing but otherwise they actually broke like three of our toilets and had one spray into the ceiling the and, yeah yeah it was yeah. it was that no, same I one was... and it was I was there for that. You were? Yes. She's like, I, I was remember there. that. That is the exact same, same story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then you share the same story. Now, so then moving on, what is your best memory of a venue? Like the warmest, like where you're like, this was a great time and I just felt connected to the space and enjoyed it. Actually, it would probably be at one of the uh, the pre-Vampire Ball events. Just oh, having everyone there. Yes. Yes. I'm, deeply, I'm deeply flattered. Just, I mean, having everyone there sitting around or the little section, being able to talk and enjoy the hookah together and all that. It, I mean, it would definitely be between that or some of the other events in the back where we're going over, uh, for example, the New Orleans event and oh, stuff that like that. Just trying to do planning and stuff yeah. like that. That's I mean, honestly, those would be my favorite times, I would have to say there. So to give you guys some background, obviously, as you know, and the hummingbird is still going here, <laughs> uh, but we, we run an event in New Orleans for Vampire Ball, which we've spoken about a couple of times on previous podcasts. In fact, both Chris and Ojit have helped that event, and in fact, ran a hookah bar at the New Orleans Audubon Zoo successfully, and it was great fun. People loved it. So we used to have the meetings actually at the back of Hooker Lounge. They kindly gave us the venue to use for that. And we had some really good times there. But when they mentioned the salon before, we actually do the Denver Vampire Ball 
and we have three different events and the first event of the weekend is called the Vampire Salon and that's not the haircutting salon that you're thinking about in your head it's the traditional European salon where the great minds would gather and discuss kind of intellectual things while indulging in alcohol and debaucherous activities so having that kind of space for such a beautiful costumed event where people would wear ball gowns and we actually had a fashion show uh, at the Hooper oh, Lounge. Gorgeous, yes. It just made the perfect venue because in the front we had vendors and stuff and we had incense vendors and tarot card readers which was a really fun added dynamic variant and then back was kind of more of a VIP section of the hookah lounge but you could still order the hookahs and stuff and have that oh, experience yeah. on top of everything else which was just fantastic and performances as well so it was a really dynamic space to use um, and more intimate because obviously the large event yeah you may get a thousand people at your larger event but having a small intimate space for people to gather it's exactly what you were saying I think people can enjoy that and why I believe when you said that I was flattered I yeah like makes a lot of sense to me makes me happy because that's actually one of my favorite memories as well mm. it's that whole weekend it's chaotic like one of our events we do at the castle okay. and yes so you guys know about that and it's actually at a castle that's actually a replica stone by stone from Europe built here in Colorado and we have a huge banquet table and a roaring fireplace we all sit around our vampire council style kind of banquet it's very fantasy of all the gowns and everything but it's really like an immersive environment that's very enjoyable so to have that contrast between that and the main vampire ball which you know takes place at church nightclub in denver and is very large and you know we get tons hundreds of people at that so much fun it's so much and it is so much fun isn't it but i still agree my favorite is actually at your venue when you make it smaller and more intimate we have our vampire salon it's our closest friends and all the people, some people fly in from out of town, sometimes from out of country, and you're just like, oh, I get to see these people I never get to see any time of year. And here met, they are. Uh, yeah, I got to meet so Sharing many people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so look, this is my next question. Do you think hookah is a, 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 a dynamic, it, does it community-wise, would you say it draws people together? I think it does. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people have their ideas about this and that, but I, I definitely feel that hookah is one of those things. It was originally designed to be a living room experience, something you would sit around at home and enjoy. Lovely. As I researched when I first started, but uh, it's evolved from there to be a community experience, I would have to say, where yeah. communities, people that aren't, you know, family units can come together and literally sit around, talk, and enjoy, and it's, it's a it's a, definitely a great social a social experience yeah. I love that it has two components so one it's exactly what you guys said with the social component where people get together and you'll gather around you in fact where we're sitting right now on the patio many times at the chateau we've shared hookah together as, as an experience but then there's this other thing I've noticed where it can be a very solo experience as well, where you'll see the students and they're in university or high school and they're trying to complete their paper and they're sitting there and it allows them that focus. You know, maybe they have a destructive household or they aren't happy there. It allows them the escape to have somewhere to go to focus on their work and do that. And I think it's been a privilege to see that side of it, which I had no idea about before. But it, in some respects, you guys have created a safe haven for yes. those people to come in and experience that, which is amazing. 
actually, yeah. and I, I had no idea about that before moving to America. And obviously, I run nightclub events, so when I deal with it, it's you know, in the nightclub world, it is a whole different world. The nightclub world is alcohol, and there's a lot of drug use and all this stuff. And you get to a nice world of hookah, and it's this complete different contrast where it is much more about focus and community sharing time or study and in some respects a lot of sobriety going on now and in fact in their particular establishment you can buy snacks so you can be like yeah can I have that Gatorade or those cookies and you get these really fun snacks kind of that go over and it helps support the thing because I suspect financially is it difficult financially to run a hookah bar because you've not got alcohol you've not got those added things yes it is definitely uh, quite difficult with all the the taxation and everything on any sort of tobacco product and anything of the sort it is uh, it is quite difficult to pull a profit out of anything but I mean we we honestly do a lot of it just so why do you do it yeah it, it is uh, I enjoyed it when I was younger and a lot of my friends did as well and I feel like a lot of people just need a place to be a that, place to go to yeah it's right. it's not a bar and stuff like that also I mean we open it to in the afternoon that way people can come in and do their homework and stuff like that Which again you can't do that. that in a bar you can't get mm -hmm. it it's a, and even sometimes if you go somewhere like Starbucks there's this rushed feeling about it like you have to go you can't be in there too long and I oh, like yeah. that you can kind of have that more permanence you know mm -hmm. yeah we have we have people that come in at two o'clock and do work until eight in the afternoon something like that I mean it's so Ojit do you have a favorite memory particularly in you know in hookah land something that speaks out to you as a positive where you were like i was having a really good time or i saw other people having a really good time well i definitely met one of the sweetest people that i've oh, ever yes? seen tell us in um our hookah lounge and she's just helped out so much i don't know if she would want names or anything you don't have to name names yeah but she's just a sweetheart like she helps us out so much and she just wants everything to thrive i love that and she works with kids and, oh god like everything she's, she's a really good human being yeah definitely um, so through that you met you the two of you met this person at the lounge and then developed that new connection through mm -hmm. that space would you say that it's changed your life yes oh yeah oh definitely it's, it's definitely been a great positive and everything. I mean, before before we got the lounge open, we were kind of drifting, I would have to say, towards mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, we were probably about this close to having to move back to Georgia. Um, to Georgia, yeah. I might say we're currently in Denver. Area, yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we almost had to move back with my family and stuff like that just because we've got a lot of Couldn't properties make ends and stuff meet. back there. Right. Yeah, there was nothing. We were both not terribly great at normal jobs. Right. So we, 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 as you can see, the hour, the hour glass is going down. We're actually almost out of town. Time, not out of town. Almost, well, we are actually out we're, of town right now. So it does count. But I do have a couple of questions I kind of want to squeeze in because I do think they're important. First, I want to talk about the pandemic and as a business owner, because I do think it's an important topic to discuss. How has that affected you and the business, realistically? Uh, realistically, it's been absolutely terrible. Um, it it has essentially stopped everything, but I mean at the same time we we wanted to stop as well. We are definitely one of the the worst places 
to exist during a pandemic. I mean, um, at the events, do I? I I've lost my whole job. I understand you guys. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's why I think it's good to have that open communication because I think there'll be a lot of other people listening who have suffered, who are business owners or people who have worked in restaurants or hookah lounges for that matter and have lost their entire livelihood overnight because of the pandemic. And that, you know, that leads me into this next question of now, you know, moving forward, do you have plans to reopen and do help you guys out, in fact, economically here? Tell us about the hookah lounge, the name the address and encourage people to go and likewise i will encourage all of our denver colorado listeners when you reopen and then we can talk about that and we'll get you guys out there again so i do think that's important we are planning on reopening uh the address is 7575 florida avenue um it is in lakewood colorado uh, we're not sure exactly when we're going to open. We have been applying for other types of loans to try to help us uh, cover all of the expenses. That do you have we any have kind of donation thing uh, set up? We do have a GoFundMe for Absalom's you have a GoFundMe. Hookah Bazaar. So there's a GoFundMe yes. for Absalom's Hookah Bazaar. And in fact, I will include the link below this so that people can help when this is published. All right, yes. Thank you. Yeah. And no, anything helps because here's the thing is it is difficult and I know more than anyone like, yes, I may not be owning a physical brick and mortar building for business, but, you know, we run events and yes, we were planning on doing New Orleans. It was going to be fantastic. And, you know, it's... It's not over yet. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> don't we, want we to say know. die. Yeah, you do. That's the thing is, you don't you don't ever know realistically. Yeah. But for our event in New Orleans, it's very much a situation of watch and wait. Mm-hmm. And let's say that the pandemic does go away, and then we can all gather and enjoy that space again. So, if there's any way that we can help you guys, or you have that, just let me know, and I'll be happy to include that. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, because I do think it provides a safe and awesome space for people to visit and enjoy. Yeah, we we tried. I think you guys, over the time that I've known you, have done a fantastic job on it, in all sincerity, for real. And it's not easy to do. Like, to go in, especially when you're so young, and to be a business owner and to go through that opportunity, like, it's a difficult process, for real. You should be very proud of yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. I... it's, It's a hard thing to do, but at the same time, I feel that it's worth it. It's rewarding. Right mm-hmm. at the same time, and on that moment, we have reached our thirty-minute climax. All right. And as you can see, so you guys did it. We reached the moment. So I appreciate all of you guys tuning in and taking the time to listen to us and exploring the exciting world of hookah. And I hope you learned a little bit more today. Without further ado, I wish you all a good night. <laughs>